Tuning you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back. The final <laughs> countdown before uh, this final Ooh. countdown before Expo. So getting I, very excited about this. I know. I was excited, but then I'm kind of getting some nervous jitters too. Like, I don't know. I haven't been to a big trade show in so long. Like there's gonna be so many people there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get out. I'll I'll get over myself shortly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, once you get there, it'll be like old, it'll be like riding a bike. Oh my gosh. It's right gonna be like a big party, right? Seeing everybody yeah. just you don't get to see all around the year and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited to go in a different capacity this year too. Just going are. to just mm-hmm. being like, I've never had a chance to really walk the trade show floor fully mm-hmm. and in the same way and being able to try everything out and intentionally doing it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and lots. Yeah, yeah. There's so much, there's going to be so much cool stuff to see this year. So yeah. Uh, anyway, last week we didn't get the opportunity to talk about the final week of Eunice games. Um, and they had a really cool game come out actually last week. Um, it's called, let's pull it up on stage here. It's called Godzilla versus Kong Smasher, which I mean, it looks like um, it's a a cool new version of Whack-A-Mole as far as I can see here, but with some new kind of twist to it. So they've got the uh, the Kong or the Godzilla kind of sitting there um, and it's got some lights on its chest, which I'm assuming you bat with the battle as well. And some things that pop out of the hole, whatever they are that you're battling as well. Now, Eunice, unfortunately would not launch details about this game in their weekly uh, launch because they're trying to drive everyone to go to their booth. So I highly recommend just go to Eunice's booth and figure out what um, this game is all about because it actually looks pretty darn cool. We're going to have to go and check this one out for sure. Definitely going to have to check this one out. I love the idea of so whack-a-mole is one of my favorite, one it of my is, favorite yeah. games of all time. And then you add it to, it looks like you're punching or smacking the chest of the Godzilla or the King Kong. And that is some competitive nature. Like there's a competitive component probably because they're all connected. So I'm probably maybe have the opportunity to compete yeah. with other people within, within this gameplay. So yeah, looking forward to, uh, to, to you know, trying it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll remove it. All right. So LAI, LAI, like that's the hardest, LAI games also announced that they're going to be showcasing four new games. And so they put out, uh, they, they, they put out a little exclusive thing with inner game. And so I'm just going to go ahead and pull up the pictures here. There's, there's four games and one of them is Asphalt Moto Blitz, which is a racing simulator. Airstrike is a competitive flying simulator with shooting features. And then there's Cosmic Spire and Dragon's Bane, which are two new coin pusher games with features that will, uh, you know, you know, set them aside from others. So there's not a whole lot of details about these other than the fact that, um, you know, they're just trying to drive people to their booth. LAI Games booth will be 731 at this uh, this year's expo. And they're also not putting a whole lot as far as other images out here. So like, this is the best image I could get of all the different games. Uh, you know, obviously some of them are meant to be a little bit more immersive, uh, like the Moto Blitz and the Airstrike game, um, both mm-hmm. of which are uh, two player games that you could, you could have together, uh, you know, play mm-hmm. against others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look pretty nifty, man. And I mean, gosh, there's been so many games, new games announced. We're going to have to really decide how much time we're going to spend in the arcade zone playing games. Like, I don't know if you've been watching what Arcade Hero has been releasing, but he's been like launching new, interesting uh, conversations about new games that are coming out as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but great he's, other he's, to follow. 
Yeah, he's doing a great job with that. And like, frankly, I want to go just play a couple of these that have been really interesting. Like I'm definitely yeah. going to go play the new Kong, you know, the Kong um, and, and Godzilla Smasher. But uh, it's, otherwise, Arcade Hero does a great job, has great coverage, and he's obviously very well connected into our Discord. And so highly recommend following him. And I know he's going to go do a deep dive on a lot of these new things. Uh, I just want to try some because some of these look fun. And then, you know, we'll move on to some of the other attractions. We've got a lot to cover while we're going to be there next that's right, week. So. That's right. Just check. Yeah. Was it fun enough? Was it fun enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> oh, cool. exactly. Um, speaking of other fun things, um, and I can't believe I'm talking about this again. I feel like I'm always talking about the sphere, but I just, I'm so enthralled with it. Like I need to go there and I need to experience it because it is just so nifty. Um, but it's come into question lately about how much energy does it take to power this on a yearly, monthly, whatever weekly basis, right? Like you got to think there's a heck of a lot of lights lighting this thing up, right? It's not just the outside. It's the whole inside too. It has 157,000 speakers. It's got a vibrating floor. I don't, I don't know where the floor vibrates exactly, but somewhere it's vibrating. And there's another 3.7 acres of lighting that kind of goes over the whole um, spectator area inside that you're watching, you know, the show on. Um, so it has to take a ton of power. According to the S&P Global Market Intelligent, it's, uh, they're, they're suggesting that the sphere is going to consume about 95,779 megawatt um megawatts per year. Now, this is just a ballpark estimate, obviously. Like, I think that depends on how many shows, how, how many times they're running things through there and what's going on inside. Um, but to give you an idea of what that ends up costing them is they get a discounted rate, like a commercial rate on power at $58.18 per uh, megawatt hour, uh, hour um, which Ultimately, if you kind of multiply that by what the suggested estimates are, we're running about half a million dollars a year in electrical bills, which is, woof, that's a lot of money, right? Now, the Sphere is working on an agreement with the Nevada Energy um, uh, Group where they're going to get 70% of their power from a new solar power facility and battery storage complex that's going to be built in northern Nevada. Now, it hasn't been built yet, but this is kind of the goal. They've also pledged to buy certified renewable energy credits to offset the impact of emissions um, from the creation of electricity at the venue. But holy moly, that's a lot of power. Now, here, let's pull up just a couple pictures so you can kind of see. I mean, the inside of the sphere is beautiful, but I mean, the lighting must be intense and outrageous, right? Like here's some of the bar pictures, some of the big lighting. It all looks a little bit dim um, inside here, but still this all takes a ton of power to... Uh, yeah. And that's just the ambient lighting, right? That's, that's not even the immersive experience or the exterior lighting. I mean, this is, it is beautiful. Now the one advantage is like, this is something they could not have done in the old world of incandescent bulbs or even CFLs. Like this is at least we have the energy efficiency of LEDs, but God damn, that's still a enormous amount of energy. And so, yeah, so what I did to figure it out, because I needed to wrap my head around this a little bit, is I kind of figured out, okay, this is, I pay about $350 to $500 a month for power here from my house. So if I divide that by, uh, you know, the half million dollars, we're looking at close to a thousand, that's a thousand homes a month that this place would be powering, which, you know, at first I was kind of like, well, that doesn't seem that bad. But I mean, really, when you get down to it, that's a thousand homes a month that's, uh, you know, this place is powering. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah. It's, it's unfathomable almost and, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And so I think what you had mentioned, by the way, I think you said half a million dollars a year. It's actually works out to be about a half a million dollars a month. In, or in sorry, a, you're right. Half yeah. a million dollars a month. Yes. A month. Yeah. A month. Which right. is 
on, insane that it's half a million dollars a month in your energy bill. Like we look at ours in like the summer, it's like five hundred dollars. I'm like, oh shit, those expenses. Like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like all that air conditioning. Two different. There, right? you know, but, but I don't generate revenue at my home, so you know whatever. That's I guess true. you know they're a revenue generator. They can they can afford that energy cost. But um, yeah, Yeah, the other thing that wasn't factored in here actually true is um, uh, air conditioning inside. Like when you're sticking that many people inside, you need some serious air conditioning to keep things cool. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you're in the last, you're in the Las Vegas desert too. So it's Mm -hmm. just, it exacerbates Mm -hmm. the issue for sure. Um, Yeah. Well, um, well, so that's a good, like, when you think about when you're thinking about your pro forma and you're building out your venue, like one of the things sometimes that gets left behind is what is that potential utility cost based on the attractions you're running, based on your lighting choices, and especially now with more like heavy projector based immersive immersive experiences. And we'll take a look at one hopefully a little bit later today um, that's uh, just opening up down in Sydney, Australia. But um, those those types of things are using so much more energy, and that's certainly something we have to you know, be aware of when we're, we're making our buying decisions and um, you know installing decisions. Um, all right. Well, one of the other things we, I didn't get a chance to talk about on Thursday, which is universal Orlando. And they just recently started officially using their photo validation, facial recognition. And we've, you know, we've talked about this before that this was coming, but they've officially started you doing this now at their islands of adventure, um, your park. And so now as I come in, I could, you know, come up to the turnstile, uh, the first visit will require that my photo is taken. And then any subsequent visits after that, it will be a much quicker entry. So this is this is what they're trying to drive. That it's much quicker entry is uh, you know every time I come in now, it just will scan my face and I can walk right in. Um, so there's no more finger biometrics anymore. Now guests can opt out of the process, uh, but then every time you come in, you have to show a valid ID to validate the ticket. And um, you know they want to ultimately trans uh, like you basically install this at all of their parks and. Uh, it will definitely be at Epic Universe by 2025, but they want to get all of their their parks ultimately doing this, and uh, mm-hmm. by that same time frame. And you know, I think okay, that's fine. My biggest issue with the facial scan isn't so much the privacy standpoint. Like, look, we're already scanning our fingerprints; like it's biometric data. You're just going to scan my face. That's fine. I just want to know, like, what's the extra convenience? Like, why am I actually doing this? Because if I'm coming as a a guest, like typically going to Universal, I'm going to go to Universal once maybe twice, you know, in my life, like if I'm just at a guest, right? Like I'm in this industry, so I go to Universal all the time. Um, But if we're not, like I'm going to go maybe once, twice, three times max. And what am I really saving as far as time is concerned? Because it's actually taking me a little bit longer because I have to scan and then record my face. Um, It's no different than recording my fingerprint the first time I walk through Disney is that I'm I'm logging that. And like, Mm -hmm. that's just adding and increasing queue time for what I believe, at least at the gate to be, uh, not really saving any time. Mm-hmm. My hope is that this is the precursor to further use of this technology while I'm in the park, you know, buying mm-hmm. merchandise or buying food and beverage. Like I can just mm-hmm. walk up, it scans my face, connected to my credit card and, and then, you know, takes payment or whatever, or I place yeah. the order on my app. I walk up, it scans my face and then a robot slides out the food that I had already previously ordered based on my facial scan or whatever. It has, it has to be leading to something like that. There's no way that it isn't, you know what I mean? And even as an operator, you would be silly not to be, you know, capturing movement through your park to better understand customer buying patterns and habits to be streamlining the park and be providing a better guest experience in general. Right. 
Now, the the one thing that I remember reading about this, though, is that after you use your ticket, your face is going to actually get deleted once there's been a period of time, you know, unless you're an annual pass holder, it stays in the system. So that is deleted. So even if I bought a pass one year, and I went back the next year, chances are you have to rescan your face again, because uh, they've already deleted that information out of the, the system, right? So yep. again, it's, it's my, I'm, we'll see how long it takes. Maybe it isn't that Low. It looked like it was pretty quick in the demos that they were showing to get through. But yeah, if it really holds up the lines, it might get a little bit annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like as a guest, I just have to wonder, I have to ask myself, like when I'm going through these types of things, like what value is this adding to me? And if there's not added value yet, uh, I mean, it's fine if you want to just, um, you know, if you just want to get people used to the idea of having their face scanned. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but that's not enough for me as a as a guest. Like it has to add real value and, and enhance my guest experience. And right now it's not. It's actually detracting yeah. from it. But are is that going to stop you from going to Universal? Uh, I mean, it's not going to stop me from going to Universal, and I don't think it'll stop some people, especially since it's not a required thing, right? I can still show my photo yeah. ID, but then it just creates awkwardness too. Well, I don't want my face scan. Oh, you have to walk over to this line or whatever. Who knows what type of um, mm-hmm. thing? So it'll be interesting to go and check out Islands of Adventure and and mm-hmm. see how the process is actually flowing through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, all right. Well, huh, Hey, are you guys having a hard time driving revenue to your facilities? Well, crowdfunding might be an option for you. Uh, national, the national museum of nature and science in Tokyo raised $6.15 million in 90 days of, of a crowdfunding campaign, which is nuts, man. Uh, 57,000 members of the public chipped in to help raise funds in the largest uh, crowdfunding campaign that's ever occurred in Japan. Um, as soon as the museum started crowdfunding, it was inundated with donations. As a matter of fact, they said that their website or the platform that they were using actually crashed and people couldn't make donations. Um, but they eventually achieved their original target, which was $700,000 US in about nine hours, right? Like that's that's crazy, just crazy. Um, part of the money they said that's been collected is going to be used to prepare gifts to give to the donors, which... I'm struggling a little, a little bit. Like, why would you get a gift? <laughs> like, provide me value or a special ticket, sure. But to send, I think they were sending tote bags and notebooks or something like that, which there's just a lot of cost in that. Like, save the money, do something better for the museum. And then the balance is going to be used to maintain this uh, facility's specimens. Um, now, the museum said that they started this campaign to make up for lost revenue that was experienced during the pandemic. They know it's a one-time thing. They know they can't keep doing this. And they're going to have to look at other methods over the long term. But boy, did it ever just kind of boost uh, the revenue that they needed for the year to make sure that these collections are maintained properly, right? Uh, so I just love seeing that people care enough to maintain this for the future generation. And they're willing to kind of quickly step in and support. It was a really nice uh, show of love and care for you know what they're doing there. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, and certainly I think a, a way to consider you know, filling in some, you know, if you're, if you're a well-loved uh, attraction or venue in your community and you want to, you, you need a new roof or you need some fresh paints or a new attraction, like this is something yeah. to consider uh, your crowdfunding. They're not easy campaigns to set up. I mean, if you use some, you know, existing crowdfunding platforms, that's fine, but then there's yeah, but there's a lot of marketing and other stuff to really make them successful. I'm sure they did that well, but uh, still worth worth considering for sure. Um, all right. So I wanted to cover, so this has nothing to do necessarily with our industry, except for the fact that I recently just bought, uh, I'm excited because it just came in today. So I recently just bought this. We talked about this a couple of uh, like, gosh, probably a month and a half ago or whatever yeah. on the show. And, um, and so it's a Lego set basically. And it's a Pac-Man Lego set. I get to build this uh, sometime over the next you know, w- uh, week, but probably not until after IAPA, I'm guessing. <laughs> I was going to say. Gonna <laughs> me. It's going to taunt me for the next you know, week until I get to IAPA. But anyway, 
Um, the reason I bring that up is <clears throat> I was buying this on lego.com because I tried to buy this on Amazon and uh, they have other Lego sets, but they didn't have this one available. And so I went to lego.com to obviously go and buy it there. And when I purchased it or I added it to my cart, I had something added to my cart also. And for those of you who are listening and not watching, there's a underneath my Pac-Man arcade line item in the cart is a, a line that says you've qualified for a tribute to Galileo, Galileo, Galileo. And it's a, one of their Lego ideas sets. And it's just like a little you know, $30 set that was um, just added to my cart for free. I apparently, you know, just got that by buying this Pac-Man arcade and they included this. And there's any number of reasons why they could be doing this excess inventory or whatever. But like the, from my standpoint, I was like, Oh shit. That's really cool. Like that was a nice surprise. You know, that's a $30 set. I probably, you know, I may or may not have bought on my own, but they just included this with my purchase and like that level of surprise and delight. And I just, just, and I immediately took a screenshot of the cart before I completed my purchase because I, I wanted to talk about it here because this is the type of stuff that we really should be thinking about how to do for our guests on a regular, regular basis. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I, I was like, I was legitimately like, Oh, I'm always going to come to lego.com now to make my Lego purchases. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those moments of wow or those moments of delight are so important and they don't actually have to even cost that much money. Like I remember um, a few years ago, I was at a conference in Portugal and one of the events in the night, we went out and we were in this um, wine cellar and there was a table set up and we had the monks who were running the wine cellar come in and be part of it. And they started singing their monk music, you know, in the night. It was really cool and special. But all of a sudden in the middle of it, they started singing queen songs and it was so spectacular because we all knew the words. Everyone was singing along, yeah. you know, moving back and forth, cheering hands. I, it was such an incredible bonding moment. And those are the little things that you can do in your facility. You could, you could bring a singer in or you could do something like that that just involves the crowd and just creates a sense of community. I'd love it. Such, yeah, super cool. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, I, I think we got one more thing, right? I wanted to talk about Flip Out Park. Yeah. Okay. Let's quickly get to this. So, um, safety, you know, we, we want, one of the things that we haven't talked a lot about here on is how important safety is and focusing on safety as a value in your business. You know, it's something that we can't overlook. Um, when people come to your facilities, it's so important that they know that they can play safely and that you as an operator have done your best to ensure their safety. Right. Um, and if we do find places that are not safe in our facilities that we are fixing them and we do it in a really swift manner. Now, this was something that just really kind of bugged me is, um, Flipout Park in Chester, UK is under investigation for 270 incidents of um, different things that happened to people that went to the park, it mostly centered around this attraction, which they call their tower jump. So it's it looks like it's kind of the top of a tower and there's little platforms at different levels you jump out into, into a foam pit. Um, one of the guests was following the instructions, which they say, jump out of the foam pit, hold your hands and jump and land on your bum. Anyway, he did that. And when he did that, he ended up shattering a vertebrae in his lower back. Um, and another, a, a bunch of other incidents actually occurred on that same day in the same area. So it sounds like this foam had probably lost its effectiveness or there wasn't enough in the pit to ensure that jumpers were going to land safely. Um, this uh, flip out park has also been under investigation for 11 other incidents of fractured spines, um, which, you know, over a period of time, I'm not sure what that time is. And I'm really sad to say that two of the park directors recently pled guilty for failing to prevent exposure to risk. Um, um, you know, they took responsibility for it, but really too late. You know, it, it's just so important to ensure that you're diligent with your safety protocol and process. And I really start to think about what went wrong here. And usually when I see stuff like this, it's because 
companies have implemented safety as a rule rather than as a value. So like a rule would be um, there needs to be so many pieces of foam in this pit or, you know, this pit foam gets replaced every six months or something like this, or it's on a checklist where a value is more a roof belief, a roof a root belief in an organization and what it operates from. So say our root belief or our core value is we're concerned with customer safety. So, you know, once that one person was hurt in that attraction, everything would have stopped. Everyone would have gathered around and tried to figure out what was going on and tried to fix the problem. And it doesn't seem like that was the ins- or, or the case here with that many incidents. It's like they kind of overlooked it and they thought it was a one-off thing. They weren't paying attention and really acting um, from a core belief within the organization. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I just, I think it's sad to see that this misstep occurred. And, um, and I know I've seen that um, in other businesses. I saw it in my own business. And I just, again, think it's so important that we go back to values and have safety as our value in our businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's all, all good point. And, you know, I'm, I'm frankly not sad to see that, that they had to plead guilty and that this happened because frankly, like this, this reached a level of gross negligence that like yeah. we see a lot, you know, there's the injuries happen and accidents happen and people break legs and people break necks and spines and things like that, especially trampoline and jumping places like that, like active play. But like this level of this many infractions is, is absolutely uncalled for and things should have been done way sooner. And again, I think that comes down to that culture of safety versus just checking the box and following rules. Because if it was a culture of safety, if it had happened like twice in a row or whatever, we'd be like, whoa, 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 okay. Something clearly is happening. Like, let's stop. Let's close this attraction. Let's reevaluate. Let's let's see what we need to do to fix this thing and then potentially reopen it or close it entirely if it's not safe. This is something that we have to do as an industry because mm-hmm. this only creates a bad name for the industry across the board. That's right. That's right. And, w- and when you have values like that in place, you're using them to hire the right people. And it's instilled with them from the you know first day that they start working for you so that they know how important it is. And it's you know their top priority and their top focus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Countdown Holy to Iapa is on yeah. and it is uh, Monday is over. We got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Christine's alone on Friday because I'll be making my way out. And then we've got some great mm-hmm. stuff planned for next week. And so I'm super excited about that. But until then, this is CB and BW signing off. Stay Cheers, tuned everyone. and keep kicking ass. Yeah.